0: Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Join me at the 10th annual Media Excellence Awards on January 18th in Beverly Hills, California. The attendees and I will be celebrating innovation and leadership in technology and entertainment. There are 20 award categories with a 1,000 nominees. These awards honor those who are creating groundbreaking technology to better our lives and celebrate the hard work, determination, and brilliance in the leadership within the companies which create the new world we live in today. I will be recording nominees and winners at the awards. For tickets and more information, go to MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Mark Deichen. He's the Senior Vice President of Programming and Operations at Buzzer. Mark, welcome back to the show. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I I think what you've done and are currently doing is actually really interesting to me. And as we kind of get through the the interview, um, you know, basically you've worked on some huge stuff that I think a lot of people watch kind of every day. But maybe before we kind of get into your day-to-day job and kind of what you do, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Oh yeah, sure.
1: You know, and I'm and I'm excited to be here too. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I am uh, I am one of the few uh, native Angelinos. <laughs> so uh, I was born and bred here in nice. L.A. Uh, and and stayed here uh, mainly because I was I, I kind of grew up in the business. My dad worked for Disney for many many years. Very cool. Um, and so I you know I kind of grew up with a taste for it um and even though my dad didn't really want me to go into it uh i i, I kind of found my way back to it
0: okay so uh, yeah so walk me through kind of you, you went to university what did you take in university and then we'll kind of continue from there
1: yeah so i went i went to i went to usc okay uh undergraduate and 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 i mean if i'm going to be perfectly honest i went there really to swim okay uh, i was a swimmer in college and uh, you know, and, and, and I was a business major, uh, marketing major, undergraduate, and you know halfway through my career, there, I ended up getting sick and having to retire from swimming, so really started focusing more on, on media and things like that. And and my undergraduate, I left uh, really focusing on advertising, and I worked uh, I worked for, for Team One Advertising here in L.A. on um, the Lexus account and on Forex Beer and Yonex
0: tennis oh, yeah. rackets
1: and golf clubs. You know, it was like some, some fun accounts to really work on and uh, learned a lot. But really, my passion was, was more kind of on the entertainment side. So I ended up going back to, I went back to grad school. I went back to USC film school uh, and got my master's there. And I was a Starkey. Uh, it's a small producing program at USC. Uh, and then came out and worked. And then, you know, I ended up finding my way to Disney, oddly okay. enough, uh, but at a production company. So I, I did, I did future film development and production uh, worked on movies like mission to Mars and mighty Joe young and things wow. like that. And, uh, and, 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 and then, you know, the, the industry, you know, right around 2002 went through a monumental shift. Okay. You know, when I went, when I, when I got to Disney, there were 82 producer deals. I worked at one of the, I worked for one of those producers and when i left there were 8 oh wow so, huge uh, and all all of the jobs that went along with that the you know the the development jobs the assistance jobs the vp jobs the, the all of those jobs that went along with each one of those producers they disappeared and they disappeared industry wide so uh you know it, it was funny i for for probably about 2 years there i interviewed for I think I probably be interviewed for a dozen, fifteen different jobs, only one of which they actually hired somebody. Wow. Uh, so like either the either the producer's deal went away, or they say, Oh, well, we figured out you know, the, the budgets changed, right? So then it was, oh, we figured out how to do the job do the run our business with one less person, or it was it was really, really an amazing thing. And I just en- ended up focusing on new media. Okay. And that's you know, and I and, and and the great thing was is that, you know, I, I I was very fortunate that I had great relationships at many of the talent agencies uh, here in LA, and they were also exploring new media at sure. the time. They were just starting to get into it, uh, so I ended up meeting with the the team over at William Morris, and which is now William Morris Endeavor, okay. and they said hey so we've got this cell phone company and you know at the time I, I, mobile entertainment wasn't really a thing
0: yeah, yeah. and
1: uh, <laughs> my my reaction was i know how to make a phone call on my phone <laughs> so uh, sure. i met with them and it was a really it was a really interesting business proposition because it was Amped mobile and for those who remember Amped mobile yeah, I was do for the sure. very first yeah it was one of the very first uh, cell phone companies that was was 100 focused on what you could do with your phone, finding entertainment on your phone and videos and and uh, and things like that. Uh, Verizon had VCast at the time, which was probably the most popular entertainment portal. But we were 100 focused on entertainment, and we you know we, and I went in and I and I really helped establish the the entertainment profile in the sense of, you know, deals with studios and with the net and the television networks and things like that. And it really started off with clips of shows. And you know, I, I'll never forget that Aqua Teen Hunger Force yeah. was our <laughs> number one. Like, people would watch those videos more than anything else at that time. I, I was so, probably one of those really people. Was, <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was a real education in, in kind of what worked on mobile and what worked in a digital landscape. Uh, you know, and, and and we really were you know, we were really breaking a lot of ground there. And I went from being a traditional development production executive to learning how to read XML, right? So really kind of getting my feet in getting into the weeds and knowing how the technology worked you know, transcoding on the fly, all those things that are commonplace for us now. Sure. uh, Those were all, those were all brand new in 2005 when we launched. So, and, and, and then also worked on the very, one of the very first linear streaming products, which was Amp TV, which we had MTV and we had, you know, a number of the Viacom products and and channels that we would stream live uh, over your phone. So so that was, that, that was a great, that was a great way for me to kind of just get into a new digital landscape, using the things that I had learned, you know, both at school and both and 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 at Disney. So, uh, and then that's how that's kind of how I ended up in the in the digital space. Sure. Uh, I went from there. I went to Sony, uh, and I was originally hired there to to help develop. There, a lot of people don't know, but Sony owns about 160 television networks around the world. Oh wow! Very yeah. few in the States, very very few in the United States. Interesting, but a ton overseas uh, and super successful in countries like India, Central Europe, uh, Italy. Uh, so really, really, really powerful. And then you know, Singapore oh. uh, is their their hub in in Asia. Uh, So Korea is very, they're very strong in Korea as well. So they have the number one cable channel in Japan, which is called Animax, which is an anime channel. And so I really went in to help revitalize what they were doing on the web, which was convert their websites from basically marketing platforms saying, hey, these channels are on it. These shows are on at this time on this channel to being a, a portal for content, whether it had been clips, uh, catch up television, that kind of stuff, and really made that transition to a more you know, digital entertainment websites. So while I was there doing that, they decided they wanted to launch channels in the United States. And uh, and one day, they, they they came to me and they said, Hey, can you program a movie channel? And I said, uh, Yeah, sure. Of course they can. You know, never having programmed fully programmed an entire television network ever. I said, yeah, sure. Of course I can do that. Uh, So they said, great. Here's a list by Monday. Can you have a, can you have a month for us? And uh, this was Friday afternoon. Wow. So I said, yeah, of course, no problem. I can do that. (laughs) I spent the entire weekend trying to figure out what I was going to do. Luckily, for being in film school, it was really, I, I was really fortunate that I was super familiar with this, with the Sony library, with the Columbia library. So I knew the movies I'd seen most of them, you know, that, so that, that was, that was uh, and it was, it was a kind of a TCM type of channel. So it was really focused on, on the older movies in the library. And uh, I put that together. I walked in on Monday, they took a look at it. They said that this is great. We're going to go pitch this to direct TV on Thursday. Can you come with us? And, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, you know, all of a sudden, I found myself with a completely new job at Sony, and it, it was great. It was it was one of those like it was unexpected. It was uh, it was challenging. I was doing something completely new. I was, to be perfectly honest, I was completely out of my depth at the very beginning. Uh, but you know, it was something that 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 I also had the luck of having worked on the operations side at Amped, where. I was able to handle the operations side of the channel as well. So I was able to do dual duty, both as a, as a technical person as well as a creative person. So, um, I did that for a little while. We, I mean, we launched uh, Sony movie channel. We launched Cine Sony, which is a Spanish language, uh, channel. And it was yeah I, again, luck, you know, smiled upon me. I'm Cuban. I speak fluent Spanish. I know the marketplace. So you know I, I continued to program that channel as well, and then we launched get TV, uh, which was a, a dot two okay, which sure all a, which you know which brings me to kind of where TV sits now and the challenges that cable operators are having with with cord cutting and things like that, and these dot two channels really provided an interesting business you know model where you were going back to traditional traditional broadcast tv so the cord cutters could get you via their digital antenna but you were still getting cable coverage through your affiliations with whoever your you know your parent channels were so for uh, for get tv it was univision was really the 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 big partner and so wherever univision had cable coverage they used their put with the cable company to launch Get. And we did the same thing at Buzzer when I came over to Fremantle. Uh, Fremantle owns the largest library of game shows in the world. sure. And they decided... And, you know, and, and, and we live in a world where all of a sudden now the long tail of old content allows you... And the, it combined with digital platforms allows you to really monetize that. And that's what we did here. We took we took Family Feud with Richard Dawson and Match Game with uh, with Gene Rayburn and Super Password and Press Your Luck and Supermarket Sweep and all of these old TV game shows that, that were kind of languishing in our in our library and maybe getting a little bit of play on, on Game Show Network, but not a ton. And we built an entire channel around it. Okay, and, you know, we've seen we've seen great, great, great response from the audience. Uh it's a super passionate I would I would equate it to the sci-fi audience okay they're really 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 passionate about the genre and we have a super loyal fan base uh, and it, and the great thing about it is, is that as you know obviously Steve Harvey's family feud was already a big success before us but since we launched uh, ABC brought back to tell the truth. They brought back Match Game with uh, Alec Baldwin, and sure. we've really been able to do dual duty in that in that in that kind of revival. One is having all of the old classics of those of those game shows available to an audience that loves them, but also leverage that fan base that is so loyal to our channel with the new production and say, okay here's here's to tell the truth. Here's a, a, a marathon of to tell the truth. Don't forget that Sunday it starts on ABC at eight o'clock. So then all of a sudden Fremantle being the producer of tell the truth on ABC is leveraging its asset in buzzer to make that show a success. Interesting. It's hyper targeted, right? You're sure. Speaking to the very fans, we're going to go to ABC to watch that show.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually quite fascinating. And you're right. Like, I do find myself – like, I'm 34, just so you have some context. But um, I do find myself sometimes watching some of the shows that you grew up watching kind of in the late 80s, early 90s when they're, like, reruns. And you're like, I remember watching this as a kid, right? And, and it, yeah. that's basically – it sounds like you're almost capturing that same kind of market, right? Like, people love the stuff that – they kind of grew up watching. At least in my experience, they seem to, and it sounds like you have the same yep. success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing we're seeing we're, we're seeing a really nice synergy between production and the channel. And 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 at the end of the day, the you know the channel is offering us the ability to go back to into our library, which by the way is all on tape. It's on three quarter. I mean, we've got stuff that's still in, you know, on kinescope wow. that we are, we're, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're talking, we, we found, you know, we, we, we went back. So when to tell the truth launched on, on ABC, we wanted to do something really special. So we started going back into our library and seeing what was available. And then we called the guys at CBS okay. who aired it, who aired it originally and they and they had just updated their database. This is like again, this is talking about how new technology allows you to find old things and leverage, you know, kind of older technology. Sure. They had just redone sure. their database, so they searched by truth.
0: Oh, interesting. And, some,
1: and it came up, and it came up that they had, they had the film stock of nothing but the truth which was the name of the original pilot of to tell the truth. Wow. And it hadn't been seen since the fifties when it was originally aired.
0: That's cool.
1: So it was awesome. We were able to find this. We, 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 you know, we sent it out, we remastered it. We, we got, we really cleaned it up. It's, it was beautiful. Mike Wallace was the, you know, 60 minutes was the host. And all of a sudden, we were able to do something really, really special. We were able to show the original Nothing But The Truth pilot episode. On Sunday, before the launch of To Tell The Truth, which was on Tuesday on ABC, and it was such a great, such a great synergistic opportunity for the company. And you know, and you get those people who are just—they're su- such big fans. And then they say, and, and then they find out that it's coming back, and they get even more excited. So we just went out and got uh, supermarket sweep, sure. And we, uh, and we're bringing it back. It starts on the on the fifteenth. It starts next Monday. And our, as soon as we announced it, the whole fan base went bananas because they've been asking for it since we launched. Really. And. Uh, yeah, so we it took us a little while to track down all the tapes and do everything and get them get them sorted out and get them get them ready for for air. But we are bringing it back and the, the the fans have gone bananas for supermarket <laughs> Week.
0: We're, we're awesome. talking
1: about a show. We're talking about a show that aired, you know, predominantly on cable television. Yeah. In the 90s and 2000s. No, yeah, I remember I, there that was show. a version yeah. from the 60s. Yeah, there was a version from the 60s also that was that 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 we're not going to quite we're not going to air just yet. Okay. But, but I mean, you're looking at a, at a at a at a show that was a cable show from the 90s and 2000s which has such a great following and and people are so excited to see it come back. And you know, who's to say that that that, that excitement doesn't allow us to then sell it in somewhere else or you know, bring it back as a as a as a a modern show or anything like that. The good thing about it is, is that all of a sudden we are we're generating revenue on this old content, which allows us to take it from three quarter inch tape and digitize it. So now all of a sudden we have a file based library that we can now leverage on Amazon Prime, we can we can put you know, we can put it on any of the streaming services, we are available on Amazon Prime already. So, you know, and, 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 and those are shocking numbers. You're, you're seeing people watching, you know, millions of minutes of, of our shows, which, look, we, we knew that they were popular, but we didn't realize that they were that popular. And, and, and we've been so pleasantly surprised by the folks at, at Amazon. It's, 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 it's great. And it really is helping us build a brand around our vintage game show content.
0: Sure. No, that's great. And that's the one. Well, there's a handful of things I like about the internet, probably more than that. But what what was really cool about just being able to digitize stuff and put it back out there is like, you can basically watch content created within the last, like, a bunch of decades, right? Where, yeah, you, like, Not that long ago, like even 10 years ago, that wasn't even possible. Like there's no way you guys would have done this 10 years ago because it would have been so crazy in the amount of work and time and effort to do this. But now you guys can go back. If the content's already digitized, it's even easier, right? And then like you just mentioned, you can put it out to Amazon or Netflix or both or whoever, right? Like I, I get that there's a bunch of licensing things, but then it can also be put out in, in countries that never saw it originally, right? Just through the internet, which is, I love that, right? Being able to access like almost anything that was kind of ever created back, you know, even potentially since like the fifties, like you mentioned, which is really, really cool. Yeah. right? Oh, it's great. It's great.
1: But it also, it, it, it's great from a consumer standpoint, but from a, from somebody who's a, who owns the IP, It also poses a huge challenge as far as piracy is concerned right oh sure yeah you know and and that's always the that's the double-edged sword if you're you're trying to balance the okay well our content is out there how much do we police it sure and if we over police it does it does it alienate the audience that's consuming it yeah so that they wouldn't consume it if we were to bring it back in a new form Right? So you're constantly fighting internally. You're constantly fighting that battle of how much do we police? Do we not police? I mean, it, I'm, we're very fortunate at Fremantle that we we are one of yeah of um, what's called YouTube's biggest professional production uh, companies. Okay. Uh, we get more views. We get more views. You know, than you know, we're one of the top five uh, pro- professional production companies that get the most views on. Uh, on on YouTube and you'd be surprised how much of that traffic is driven by kind of old clips of Richard Dawson falling down laughing because of a crazy (laughs) answer that he got on family feud. I mean, you'd be really surprised. There's some of those things out there that have millions and millions of views. Right. So then we say, you know, from our perspective, a lot of things that we look at, we just say, Hey, look, those are fans who are consuming that and they're really enjoying that brand. And they're going to be fans. They're going to be fans of family feud. Sure. So we're sure. not, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to clamp down on that. You know, for, for, for older content that people are, are consuming from a brand standpoint, it's good for the brand. Right.
0: Yep. Yeah. No, I hundred percent agree that that's actually quite interesting. And in, in that you're like open to kind of talking about some of that stuff, because obviously that kind of the piracy issue has always kind of been interesting. Um, and, I, it's, a, it's a huge challenge, right? And you kind of mentioned it earlier with like the cord cutters and stuff. And I think part of the, the problem, at least from, from my kind of side of it, is sometimes uh, it's like more convenient and being able to watch it whenever you kind of want or on the device you want, right? And so I love kind of how, right? And so I think part of the problem is, and it looks like you guys are kind of working to solve that, is putting it on the platforms where people consume content, right? Because uh, like I I pay for, for YouTube TV. I'm I'm sure you're familiar with that. It's Google's kind of like live streaming plus a PVR in the cloud. And my favorite thing about that service is I can PVR to the cloud that I'm not tied to some box in my basement. Right? So if I'm traveling, but I want to see the latest version or the latest episode of whatever show, I can just like pull it up on my phone and watch it before I kind of fall asleep in bed or my iPad or tablet or whatever, right? And so for me, that's just like a convenience that I'm willing to pay for, right? And so I love the fact that you guys are kind of moving content to to Prime or, or these other kind of streaming things or posting it online or YouTube, right? Because that's where people consume content, right? And I think that's probably at the core of maybe the piracy issue isn't necessarily people don't want to pay for the content. They just want the content wherever they want to consume it. Have you kind of found that as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I I think that's a really good observation is that, you know, as a, as a, as a TV programmer, Mm -hmm. you have to, over the last 10 years, you've had to really change your paradigm of what does TV mean?
0: Sure. Okay.
1: Um, you know, T V used to be the box in your living room that, you know, you either got over the air or with a cable or satellite supplier or whatever. And 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 you lean back and you and you watched it in your living room. And that that's that's where that happened and the rest of your life was, you know, you may be on a computer and you may be doing email and you may, you know, you may go watch somebody's cat video on a on, on YouTube, but it's changed it's changed. People want professionally produced content and anywhere and everywhere. Right? It's sure. a, and, and, and that screen is no longer just the big one in your living room. It's the little one in your pocket. Yeah. It's the one, you know, that at lunchtime, if you missed a show and you want to catch up on it at lunch, it's the one in your office, yeah. you know, it's the tablet that you, it's the tablet that you may be, you know, looking at in the doctor's, you know, doctor's office before you go in, it really is. This, it's the screen. It's not. It's not the location, right? So, you because of that, you have to be open to new platforms like Amazon, like YouTube Television like, uh, like Hulu. Uh, There's even some some other ones, you know, there's other ones like Pluto TV that are out there, but that's a really interesting business model because it's all ad based and it's, and it's free to the consumer. So, you know, it's, it's, and so then you also have to, it challenges your business models, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the famous, the famous line. I can't remember who said it, but you know, uh, uh, digital analog dollars becoming digital giants. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can see how you might want to go there, but what we're finding is that it's 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 incremental revenue. Okay. We're not really seeing a decline because our business isn't really it's not subscriber based okay. right? So we're not we're not getting MSO fees like ESPN, right? We're right. we're you know, so so if the number of subscribers to cable television goes down and ESPN you know goes down by 10 million homes and espn see the giant hit because of that we we're not we're not necessarily worried about that we're just we're looking for eyeballs and if Mm -hmm. that eyeball comes on a phone or if it comes on a tablet or if it comes uh on somebody's tv through cable or through the digital antenna but you know we're an ad-based business we're about eyeballs and Mm -hmm. and that really positions us well for a you know a digital environment where you're monetizing that eyeball wherever that eyeball might be
0: sure no i yeah, 100 so. percent agree with you because like I, I even like i'm guilty of this like i'll watch something on say like i'll chromecast to the tv and then i'll pick back up the same episode back on my phone or and then watch maybe another 10 20 minutes of it and then I might pick back up on the TV or or a tablet or, or something. So like I might consume the entire hour long show on like three or four d- different screens, right? But Yeah, to, sure. Right. And so I think that's kind of I, I love the fact that you guys are basically doing that, right? And I, I think that's that's actually really cool that you guys as kind of a company and and you know, and putting out content, kind of fresh content and, and past content, I, I think is really cool. But, but I'm curious then to get your thoughts on what advice do you kind of give somebody that's maybe looking to get into the business? Because you read online sometimes that it's all like doom and gloom. And then you read kind of like it's you know doing fine and kind of everywhere in between. And you've kind of talked throughout the show that, look, we're, we're modernizing this thing. We're putting this, we're taking old content, bringing it to new new devices, new screen sizes. It sounds like you guys are very much like hey, we, we're, we're adapting with what the users and the new market and the new industry are looking for, but what advice do you kind of give to people that are maybe looking to get into the entertainment kind of space?
1: Look, I, I think that, first of all, it, it's become so... The costs of creating good content yeah. has dropped significantly. Sure. Right? The, 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 the fixed costs of camera packages and lighting equipment. And I mean, it's really made it quite egalitarian as far as production is concerned. What's gone crazy are the talent costs, right? Okay. So, um, so, you know, shooting, a, shooting a pilot with kind of unknown actors is pretty, um, is pretty reasonable, right? You can do that. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, really for me, the, the new wave here is, 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 is flexibility, okay. right? Like to me, that's like, that's the catchphrase that I, that I discuss a lot, which is flexibility. You have to, you cannot be stuck in the mindset that my content is only going to be seen in the movie theater or my content is made for TV or my content is made for a mobile device. Sure. That might be your primary that might be your primary outlet but quite frankly there's a really good chance that it's going to be seen on all of them yeah right so you've got to be ready for that and you have to have a mindset of kind of ubiquitous content okay That, that that content goes everywhere the content's available everywhere your your consumer is so you know from that aspect you know you when we launched Buzzer, mm-hmm. we, we said, okay, we're, we're, we're a TV channel. And when we launched, that's exactly what we were, right? So the, to a certain extent, what you're trying to do is like, okay, I want to get my core business right. <laughs> because <laughs> sure. if I don't get my core business right, all of these ancillary areas aren't going to do anything for me, right? So yeah. the first year and a half, we hunkered down and we, we really looked at that. And then more and more we started looking at, we started looking at things like Amazon prime and we, and, and once we, and we also had to get to a certain volume of content. Look, we've got a library of 40,000 episodes of game shows.
0: Wow. Like
1: that's, that's a, that's a lot. And it's growing every single year, right? Because we're making, we're making family Feud, we're making to tell mm-hmm. the truth. We're ma- we, you know, we just brought back uh, beat the clock. Um, and so we're making new content all the time, so that library continues to grow. First things first, all new content has to be in a digital format, right? That's right. like a, that's a no-brainer, right? So from that aspect, moving forward, everything new has to be digital. Well, we have to go back and take those forty thousand, and we have to make those forty thousand episodes consumable on all platforms. Right. So we're about, I'd say, we're probably about ten percent in the last, you know, in the last two and a half years we've gotten about 10% of the way through that library. Wow. Uh, we just brought all of the, all of those operations in house. Uh, we used to, we used to have vendors doing it. Now we're doing it all internally because we're doing so much of it. And then we're, we're leveraging it on different platforms That it makes more sense for us to do it in house which allows us to do more, right? Sure. So, that, you know, yeah. for, so it's like, make sure that your content's in a format that everybody can consume. And, and and then when you when you come in and you are you know whether it's you know you're always starting you know at the assistant level but you or 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 you know or if you're coming out of grad school maybe you're at a manager or director level it's about having that mindset of okay this is what it is today this is what co- content production and and, and and consumers look like today but you've got to be ready for it to change tomorrow. It, 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 and and it will change that fast. Sure, um, you know YouTube TV came almost out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, totally so it took a
1: lot of people by surprise. I mean, look, Sling TV. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's a great example of a tradition. Dish is a really good example of a traditional media company knowing how things are going to ch- are changing. So. You know, obviously, Dish bought Sling, and they incorporated it into all of their boxes at uh, when they did the when they did the Hopper. So then, all of a sudden, you've got your cable package, which you can watch anywhere on the world in, around the world on your on your mobile device through their app. Sure, that's awesome. You, yep. can, you can you can get you can get at your DVR. You can you can do all of those things, and then they came up with this. They came up with a great product, which uh, I think it's called Primetime Anytime, Okay. which instead of using your own DVR and using up one of the spaces in your DVR to to record any primetime show, they automatically record all four major networks into the cloud. Oh, very cool. And you can access all of those shows from your phone, from your laptop, from your tablet, Wherever it is you are, you can access all those shows on a on a time shifted basis for, for seven days.
0: Oh wow.
1: Right. So or and if you and if you can't get to it, you can go into it, you can highlight it, or you you can say save it to my D V R so you can watch it later.
0: Right. That's Another really cool.
1: So and then and then came Sling T V, which was like a pared down for cord cutters because they realized that people were cutting the cord and they wanted to get they wanted to get content some other way. They didn't want to be tied to a box, so I mean, I think Dish really has been a a, a real. It's an interesting case study in a company that's looking at how how content is being consumed and adjusting their business models accordingly. Um, Comcast does a really good job with it with Xfinity as well. Okay. So, um, and I think and I think that you know, D- Directv was a little bit behind Dish in that respect. Directv's got. An awesome product. Now that they're together with AT and T, right? So they're, you know, so it, all of a sudden those two companies came together, and they really, AT and T did a great job of leveraging, leveraging uh, DirecTV's content deals, and DirecTV did a great job of leveraging AT and T's technology That's and their backbone. And together, it's another great, it's, it's another great example. So these large media companies are also adapting it takes them a little bit longer because, you know, they've got they've got restrictions in their deals and things like that, where, you know, they can't all stream everything all the time. So and then that's also that's also piece of the it's also part partly the network's fault. Right. So as a network programmer, I I have the benefit that I own all my content. Right. Right. So. If you come to me and you are DirecTV and you say, hey, I want to put you on DirecTV, but I also want you available on Dish Anywhere and on Sling and on this and on that. I want it on VOD. I can say, okay, I can do all that because I have all rights to all media on my content because I own it. Well, but other, ch- other channels don't have that, right? They're acquiring content from third parties. And when they acquire those, that content, they acquire it with really specific deals. Oh, okay. Well, I'm giving you the slice of the pie, which is the broadcast rights. Well, so then they can't do a cable deal. They can't do VOD. They can't do, right? So it really restricts them from doing all those things. So if you're coming into a network, you also have to come in with the perspective of, well, whatever content we either produce or we buy, we have to buy all of the rights. So, you know, that's, I think that those are all things that people kind of take for granted, but then they don't, then all of a sudden they're saying, hey, well, why can't this show, which is on, I don't know, AMC, why can't I get it everywhere? Well, okay, well, it's because they only bought it for that particular
0: platform. Got you. No, that's interesting. Yeah, because even when I was launching this show, like the the show airs on FM and podcasts and blah, blah, blah. blah. It doesn't really matter. But for my point, it's like I had people literally say, like, why do you want to air on FM? Because that's dying. And I don't think it's dying, but like, the, the yeah. thing that I always felt interesting about that is, is like, I want to air my show on the current platforms that are available today. If there's a new one tomorrow and or one dies off, then I will stop airing on the died off one and I'll try to move to the new one. Like, I don't understand why sometimes, like, people have that, like, mindset of, like... It, it can only air on one vertical. It's like, well, who cares? Like why yeah. wouldn't, to your point, like why wouldn't you want your content to air on many verticals as possible? And I understand it's more complicated than that sometimes, but like for me as a content creator, I found other content creators come to me and say like, why are you doing that? It's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, I, it's almost like for me, it's like, I want the most listeners. I don't really care how they consume the content. I just want them to listen to it, right? If you want to listen on FM, listen yeah. on FM. If you want to listen to it on your phone, listen to it on your phone. If you want it on the browser, listen to it on the browser. Don't care. I'll put it on all those mediums, which is interesting.
1: Well, and you bring up a good point. As a creator, you you're controlling all of your rights, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and that you know that's a, it's a it's a it's a funny thing that all of a sudden, you know, the the ownership of your content has really become a big deal because of all of the different platforms. I mean, you go back, you go back all the way to Star Wars, mm-hmm. and you think about Lucas, yeah, and that, and you think about how he structured that deal. Okay, yeah, Fox, you get the film distribution rights, but I'm holding on to everything else, right? So he okay. had merch. and then, you know, at the time they were like, yeah, 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 okay, fine, you know. So I think that Fox has, Fox has all the 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 film. So then they they also get TV and all those things, but then there was merchandising, and then there was like sequels and spinoffs and da 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 and this and that. So all of these other things that 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 Lucas held onto is really what created Lucasfilm, right? It's really sure. that's the backbone for the for the company that Disney ended up coming and buying, which was everything else. Sure. Right. So then the the, the secret the secret sauce to Lucas's empire was he owned his content.
0: Yeah. Interesting,
1: right? And then you're doing, and you're doing the same thing. You're owning your content.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Just because, like, uh, like this has been for me a really fun kind of side project that is kind of taken off, for lack of a better term for it. And so, you know, I think as a creator, and even talking to somebody like yourself, like just trying to figure out where to put it, how to promote it, how to get it in front of the most amount of people as possible, has been kind of an interesting challenge, right? And I'm not complaining yeah. because I kind of like that challenge, um, but it's interesting, right? And and then to your point, like a while ago is basically, you basically have content back since like the 50s that you can decide to air or not air, which is really actually quite fascinating. And I think we're at this like interesting point in history where you almost have, it's almost like an overload of content, right? Like I, you can binge watch for days or weeks the same <laughs> show right right like i could literally watch and they've been doing that on some channels right now over the kind of holidays like i think the best example is like uh comedy central and like mtv has been broadcasting like every episode of like the big bang theory and friends right and like if you want to watch yeah. every episode of those you can and it's like for weeks they've been going right and and i'm not saying i've been doing that but it, it's just interesting that you basically have the ability to do that or like Online content, like, you know, through Prime or Netflix, you can, like, binge watch entire series for days, right? Like, that's a really interesting yeah. space. So Well, and I think that that's how and, – and, and people – and you've got to be willing
1: – I mean, I think it's all boils down to being got to be willing to understand that that's how people want to consume content. You can't force people to consume content in a different way. Sure. Right? They're going to consume it the way that they want to consume it they want to consume it, if they want to watch your show on a schedule, on the television network, that's awesome. Sure. It's great. Um, if they want to watch it on demand uh, at a different time, that, that's fine, too. And if they want to watch it all together in one giant session over a weekend, that's got to be okay, too. Sure. You've got to be you've got to be flexible and willing to let consumers dictate how they watch their own content. Sure. Uh, you know, that, that the, the idea that something is only going to outside of sports, Sure, there really isn't anything that you've got to watch at a specific time. And it's a specific day. Uh, sports really is the only thing there that, 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 and it really is the lifeblood of, blood of cable television, right? It's yeah. The, and, and that and that that's changing also, with all of the leagues kind of controlling their own digital rights and things like that. But the uh, you know the idea of letting your consumer tell you rather than you tell your consumer, it's, it's a little it's a it, it's a little disarming for a you know for a, a traditional media person to accept. Sure. Um. You know i was i was lucky enough that i was there at kind of at the beginning of mobile content in 2005 and that mindset I, I i shifted my mindset you know 12 years ago sure so wherever i've gone after that has really been about okay oh now they're doing it this way okay cool let's go see how do we how do we address the consumer there so it's more, it's more about just making sure that, you're, that, that people are seeing it, because if they, if they want to watch it on Amazon and you're not on Amazon, well, then they're going to watch something else.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Because so
1: right? then, then, then that could then cost you somebody who would say, oh, you know what? I'm flipping the channels at home. And oh, wow, look, it's coming up here on Buzzer. I'm going to watch it on Buzzer, too. Right. So that they may be primarily maybe an Amazon cons- consumer, but you know, people are, people are browsing their EPGs to find content all the time. Yeah. So you may be costing yourself eyeballs on your, on your television set by ignoring the consumer on, on, on Amazon and vice versa. You know, you may be, cost, you, you may be costing yourself somebody who's on Amazon going, Oh wow. I saw this really cool old episode of match game. I really wish I could watch it. Oh wow. It's not here. That's a bummer. Well, you know what, if you were, if, you know, and we are now, it's all of a sudden that viewer who was who, who you maybe have caught on your channel is now consuming on Amazon, and you're generating revenue on you know on both. Sure. So, I, I hate to be mercenary about it and, and always bring it back to revenue, but you know at the end of the day, you got to make money on your content, yeah. right? Yep. So um, you know this isn't this isn't uh, you know I'd love to be able to do it for free and not have to worry about about the, about the money of it, but you know at the end of the day. You know, we have people that we hire and we have people that, you know, that, that, that we employ and we want to keep them employed. And that's kind of how I look at it. Every dollar I make, I get to save a job. Yeah. So. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, so then, uh, so, but yeah, it really is about just saying, hey, let's find the consumers. Let's find how they're consuming content. Now let's put content that, that, let's put compelling content in front of them. Um, and the definition of compelling content is, changed right yeah. like you could you know you, you know crazy cat videos are just <laughs> as compelling for some people yeah. as you know as an episode of game of thrones yeah well, fair know? enough so, yeah i 100 agree
0: man yeah yeah it's it's, it's interesting right, right. so right. There, yeah.
1: there, there's content for everybody and i think that that's also something that that people need to understand is that you know okay so i'm i work in a particular genre that's that's got very passionate fans. sure but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that there's not a marketplace for uh like i said everything from game of thrones all the way down to you know cat videos
0: sure no that's that's interesting man so we're kind of coming to the end of the show but i, I really want to kind of cover your involvement with the media excellence awards and and how did you get involved in that and why do you think it's kind of important?
1: Well look, I, I, I started working on it back when I was at, at Ant. Okay. Um, and it was just an idea and we really hadn't we really hadn't put it together. And Sarah Miller, you know, she she came to me and she said, Hey, would you, you know, would you help advise on this? Um and and and, and we did, and I think I think it was probably about a year, year and a half later. Uh, I was at a different company and, and uh, I might've been at Sony already. Okay. And, uh, and, and and she launched it. Uh, So yeah, it was 10 years ago. So that would have been 2008. Yeah. I was at Sony when she first did it. And, you know, it, it, it really is, especially at the time, because mobile, it started off as the mobile excellence award. Yeah. Right. And it was really, it was really important to recognize people who were breaking ground in this space, um, whether it was from a music standpoint, or a traditional, you know, traditional video standpoint, or you know, even even things that were that were more kind of public service, uh, charitable, um, you know, safety. Those kinds of things were also really important because it was it was a new medium and there was nobody recognizing the achievements of those people who were really breaking new ground and who were doing fantastic things with a medium that was like literally in its, in its, in its nascent stages. Um, so, you know, started off with mobile and it was, it was fantastic. And it really has been a great experience for me because as somebody who I, 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 consider myself kind of one of the early earlier people in the mobile space sure uh, it's nice to see it have grown to the point where we had to change the name yeah because mobiles no longer mobiles no longer just you know your phone it's uh, it, you know laptops and and tablets are are, are just as important to that kind uh, that content on the go uh, consumption as as mobile phones are and so you go from you go from a place where casual games were the thing, mm-hmm. to the point where people are watching you know full episodes of 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 you know shows on Netflix and on Hulu, on your on on their phones you know on the bus on the way to school or or on like my son, you know I've also seen it grow with my kids. Sure. You know, my son's fifteen. My son's fifteen. Um, and you know he takes the bus to school, and it's about a twenty-minute bus ride to school, and you know he he'll watch a full episode of something, or Sure. he'll watch, you know, he so I think he just started he started binging White White Collar.
0: Uh, okay, over yeah, yeah. the yeah.
1: It's a great show. And so you know, you know he'll start he'll he'll probably get on the bus today and binge half an episode watch half an episode of White Collar on the way to school and half an episode on the way home. <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah. So you start you start looking you're thinking about that and you're like, wow man when I was when I was 15 years old like I didn't I, I never never would have imagined the, the only thing I had was one of those uh, those little handheld football games yeah, right? yeah. That had, the sure. little, had the little red dots on it <laughs> yeah that you didn't know exactly what they meant you, know, you didn't know how to play the game yeah right? so that's a, that's as sophisticated as I had in my hand. sure and then you see kind of what 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 mobile content has become and it's become, it's become just content right so that's why we changed it to media excellence awards this year and, and and i'm really proud of what sarah put together and what the team put together in that it's a great opportunity to not just say oh you know here are the big stars or here are the big here are the big media companies and they're doing this and you know here's a pat on the back and whatever for you know your movie that cost you you know, $300 million to make, you're, you're, you're looking at real innovators who may have done things on a totally shoestring budget, but they broke new ground. Sure. And, and, and to me as, as somebody who really loves that particular aspect of my, of my job and of my business, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you you become very proud in being able to recognize that.
0: Sure. No, that's great, man. And, and that's, uh, january 18th and people get more information at media than the letter x and then awards.com and i'm actually going to be there mark so we'll we'll get to meet in person you are yeah so i'm excited to come down actually and and meet i've had a bunch of people that are you know that have done the media awards you know over the last decade kind of on the show and it's been cool getting kind of the the story of how everything kind of came to be and their involvement kind of early on and the transition, so it's it's cool, right? It, it's it's been an interesting ride, but we're we're coming to the end of the show, so maybe let's close with mentioning where people can you know get more information about yourself and buzzer online. Uh,
1: yeah, so buzzer, you can go to uh, um, let's see, I think it's buzzer tv is okay. our uh, is our website, and um, and and we you know we're. As I as I mentioned, we're a, we're, a, we're what's called a .dot two or a digital subchannel. So if you are like if you're in Los Angeles, we're channel thirteen point two. I believe in New York, we're channel nine point two. Interesting. Uh, and we're you know, we're available we're available on Dish nationwide, um, but we are we're, I mean we're in about fifty different markets right now, and uh, sixty different markets. We, we have about two thirds of the, of, of the, of the country covered from a broadcast standpoint. Um, and then we're on, you know, we're, we're on, on different cable operators around the country. So, but it, uh, you know, buzzer.tv that's your, that's your best spot to, to, to find us and find information and you can get uh, your local listings and all that stuff. But, uh, but, you know, I, I'm just excited to bring this content to, you know, a new audience and, 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 and it, it, I was really, really pleased when we got our first, we weren't rated for a really long time. And we finally okay. did a deal with Nielsen okay. to start getting ratings and demographics and things like that. And I was really, really happy to see that, you know, you might think that a channel that shows has shows from the fifties all the way through the eighties would have a predominantly, you know, I would say retired audience, right? Uh-huh. We, we have a, Ton, a ton of young people watching watching the channel. Interesting. Um, there, there, there is this core group of twenty five to thirty five year old men who are watching uh, Match game and they're watching Family Feud. Interesting. Uh, and then they come and then they come back in prime, you know to watch password and tattletales and things <laughs> like that. so it really it really has been really gratifying to me to be able to see that this content's not just touching the people who feel nostalgic about it, sure. but we're opening the eyes to a whole new generation of people that, you know, this stuff's really fun. And, you know, people in the seventies and the sixties, they were, they were so much more willing to be goofy on television sure. and not, and be less self-conscious that it's kind of refreshing to, 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 be able to bring that to people and to make, and to see, young people see that and feel comfortable with it to the point where they're coming back on a regular basis so sure. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about that
0: no that's great mark well i really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show and i look forward to seeing you i, I guess next week now um so yeah. yeah like again thanks for doing this man and uh we'll talk next week and have a good rest of your day
1: all right kevin thanks a
0: lot i really appreciate it thanks man okay bye right, Bye. bye Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.